could share in His salvation that He provided for us. If you'd like to look with us, we're in the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. Um, wonderful verses upcoming in this chapter. We'd like the Lord's help to help us to manifest the glories of His Word and His work that He done in Christ Jesus. And truly, it's all His work. We share in the glory of the victory that He won and that He gave to us. So in the fourth chapter, we've been looking at Abraham, at David, at those of the circumcision, those that were children of Jacob, of Israel, by the law, those that had blood ties, and that none of that mattered in their redemption. The circumcision, their works, who they were, the race of people that they were, none of that mattered, but it was all by faith all through the book. Abraham did not work to earn it, nor did Jacob, nor did Isaac. It was by the choice, the direction of God, all through the Bible. And you know, today today you talk about election, and that's that is that's heated. It gets heated quick. People are they're offended by talk like that. But people aren't offended when you say God chose to spoke to Abraham. You can't argue with that. God did. God called Abraham. He didn't call to anybody else like that, did He? Nor to Noah. All through the Old Testament. God chose David out of all his brothers. That was God's choice. And it still is today. God's sovereign in control and in power. We'll see that more and more. But uh, he concluded here that if it was by works, in verse 14, faith is made void. If it's by the law, if it's because they're Jews they're saved, then what value is faith? If it's based on who I am, then I don't need to have faith. Faith is entirely idle. It's useless to me if I'm saved because of the race that I am. Now that can't be. It's not by the law. It's not by my race. It's not because I'm a child of Abraham. It's by faith. And he says in verse 15, because the law worketh wrath. Remembering he's calling back to the third chapter where he concluded that the purpose of the law was to make the world guilty. The law was to reveal the wrath of God against iniquity and that all of man was bound in that iniquity. So in verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So we could read a couple more, but let's just stop right there. So, therefore it is of faith. So concluding, again, another time, that it's not by the works of the law, it's not by uh, who my descendants were, it's not uh, of my parenthood. It's not of whether I've been circumcised, whether I'm of the tribe of Benjamin or the tribe of Judah. It's not of any of that. The redemption of God is of faith. Therefore, we conclude there's no other conclusion that can be reached other than them that are saved 
They're saved by faith. And I've said the last couple times, faith is well oversimplified and people don't know anymore as a whole what real faith as the Word of God teaches is. As we go through Romans, I hope that our hearts would be established in what real faith is. We know by the book that the devils believe and tremble. There are a lot of people that believe and they call believing faith. Believing is not faith. I sat in a church pew for 13 years and for the majority of that where I had mind, I believed, I believed the whole time. I believed in Jesus. I believed this was the right way. I believed He died on the cross. I believed He rose again. I believed we could be saved through Him. I believed every bit of it. Was taught to believe it. Instructed in it from a child. I believed it. But that was not saving faith. This salvation is of faith. And how does faith come from? Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. So this faith is not something that I had previous. People have in their mind that well everybody's got faith, God's Word comes by and they have to exercise that faith. This is of faith that it might be by grace. So grace brings the faith from God to where I am. And this is scripture we've looked at and has been looked at. Greg just come through it in Ephesians chapter 2. But just it's wonderful scripture. So let's read it here. Chapter 2 verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins. We were dead in sins. So now this is a picture that we all understand that we can all see whether it's a dead man a dead animal have you ever seen the dead accomplish anything the dead can do absolutely nothing that's the picture that God gives us of mankind spiritually he is dead Now, not naturally. We're all alive, naturally. I was alive, naturally speaking, when God spoke to me. But spiritually, as far as me coming to God, pleasing God, being redeemed, getting saved, I was a dead man and unable to do anything for that cause or for that purpose. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together to reanimate conjointly, quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. So when did that happen then? See, now we've got a misconception today that quickening happens when you come to the altar. You first got to do something before you're quickened and saved. Now is that true? I I would argue with you that grace quickened you 
And that's why you came to the altar. You were in your dead state, lost and blind, and the grace of God appeared to you, convincing you of your sin, quickened you, and brought you to the altar. It was the work of God. Because He concludes, by grace, ye are saved. Without grace, without God's divine influence in the inward man, where are we left? Well, we're dead. The dead can't help the dead. The dead can't help their self, but by this power of God that is intervening in man's lives, he is quickening, reanimating conjointly with Christ. And we could, we could prove it by the scripture that that happened in the eye and in the mind of God when Christ got up, I got up in him. And we're going to look at Scripture in just a minute that, that'll speak to that end. That's how sure the salvation of God is. We were saved in Christ Jesus before we were ever born. I, I know that's, that's, that's out there. But we'll prove it in just a minute. On down now in verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. So before you think that faith was what you had before God showed up or that you were born with a level of faith, you were born with an ability to believe by the Word of God, you were saved by grace through faith and that faith was not of yourselves. It wasn't something that we had laid up in the cupboard and we exercised it when God gave us the opportunity. The truth is... The grace of God delivered the faith unto you. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So as he concluded with Abraham, and with the law, with grace, and with faith in chapter 3 and the early part of chapter 4 of Romans, boasting is excluded. The salvation of God is anchored in God and in God alone. Well, I believed. God brought you to believe. God delivered you faith to believe. All the glory must redound unto God. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Remember who the seed was. We looked in Galatians. The seed are those that are in the lineage of Jesus Christ by faith. That's the seed that he's speaking of. And it's by grace and faith that the promise might be sure. That is steadfast, unmovable, certain, without question, no wavering. The promise of redemption is absolutely sure to the seed because it is not anchored in one thing that they do. This redemption is anchored in a work that Christ has already accomplished and in a victory that the Lord Jesus has already won. So that God could say to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you 
to be a father of many nations and through your seed all the world's going to be blessed and it didn't matter what Abraham did. It didn't. God was going to make Abraham. So if it's based on anything I've got to do, how sure is salvation? I waver like a ship on the sea. And though we may be big-headed in the flesh, we all waver like ships on the sea. And we're up one day, and we're down the next. And I'm not talking about emotionally. I'm talking about in service to God. Today we may pray. We may pray three times today. And tomorrow we may not think about it till our head hits the bed. We waver like a ship on the sea. But the salvation of the Lord, that does not waver. Because it's anchored in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter number 6. And friends, if it didn't, if it didn't, what would we have? Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 13. For when God made promises to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater... He swore by himself. So God made an oath to Abraham, not an agreement. He didn't make an agreement with Abraham. God swore an oath. And he didn't say, Abraham, if you do this, I promise to do this. God said, Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. And though Abraham's going to uh, lie about Sarah, and though Abraham's going to uh, uh, act on his own volition, and we'll talk more about that in a little while, and Ishmael's going to be born, that does not stop God from accomplishing what He promised. God does not say, I, I'm going to do this if you do this. God doesn't swear by my name because I'm going to fail, and I'm going to fail tomorrow. But God swore by Himself. His promise is sure because He could swear by no greater. He swore by Himself saying, Blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. What's going to stop God from performing that? Well, if Abraham don't do, then God's that is not what God said. God said, Abraham, I'm going to do it. It don't rely on man. We need to get the man business out of our mind. This is a work that God did and it's a promise that's sure and steadfast and unmovable. But you might fall out tomorrow. I, I may. If it's left up to my strength, I will fall out tomorrow. But that does not change the work that God did and the announcement that God made to my soul. David's salvation was not changed by the failure that he made. But he prayed God restore the joy. Not restore salvation. Not save me again. But God brought him to a place that he wanted the joy of what God had given him back. See, the promise of God is by His own name 
and it's by His own work. And the church, the redeemed, they have a promise and inheritance not because they've worked it out, but because God announced it and He wrought it out through Jesus Christ and it's got nothing to do with what I do. God will make me do what I don't want to do. He will. He'll get done what He desires to be done whether I do or not. Man does not alter God in the least bit. Abraham's not going to change God's mind. God announced it to Abraham that the promise might be sure, certain, and you know, there's, there's nothing more sure nor certain than the salvation and the announcement of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So the Lord Jesus Christ and God, even our Father. So there is the working. There, and we're going to see the grace, the Holy Spirit of God. Grace comes to us today by the Spirit of God. So there is the triune God. There are the three that are one, and they're all working this out. And they delivered hath loved us and given us everlasting a consolation, a comfort, and a rest that is everlasting. And I've said this many times, and it may be elementary, but sometimes elementary things will knock foolish doctrines out of the way. If it can end, if I can do something to end it, then God did not give me something everlasting. If I say I have everlasting natural life and you can shoot me and kill me, that's a lie, isn't it? Well, if God says I've got an everlasting redemption, comfort, and rest in Jesus Christ and I can fall tomorrow and lose that, then God's lied to me. So people that say that you've got to meet a standard or you've got to do, that is blindness, that's wrong. God swear by Himself and God gave through the work of Jesus, God gave us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. There's the Spirit. There is how God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ delivers unto us 2,000 years after the work of the Lord Jesus was accomplished and He's ascended back to God and they are in heaven, the third heaven, beyond the sky. But God delivers that work and this consolation unto us through grace, through His Spirit working in the inward man. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. That's the work of God as well. The changing of the lives of man 
comes with the announcement of Almighty God. And if you think about it now, a lot of what goes on today is mechanic work. And people are continually trying to fix the way other men and women are living. We're trying to get people to do better, to be better, to act better, to be more faithful to the outward church. We're trying to get men to do all of these things and what really needs to happen is that the majority, the multitude, and when I say majority, I don't mean 60%. We're in the high 90s. 99% or more. What they need is not to do better. But they need God by the same grace that He saves man with to establish them in a good work. God's able to change the life as well. God's able God's able to take we'll look at it in a minute. I'll get ahead of myself. But God's able to take the chiefest enemy to the church and make the chiefest apostle out of him. And he did that. And they said, is that Saul of Tarsus? Is he preaching the gospel that just last week he was destroying? Peter and the apostles didn't come around and tell him what he needed to do. He didn't gather with them and say, what do I need to do? How do I need to live? What am I supposed to do to serve this God that saved me? He says he didn't confer. No, God made him. God formed him. And God made Abraham too. As it is written, I have, this is Romans 4 again, the next verse, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. I have made to a point or to place. God made Abraham a father of many nations. Does this sound like Abraham is going to have to get with Sarah and start having children in order for this to be accomplished? Does Abraham say, well, we better get on the ball if this is going to be accomplished? We've got a lot of work to do, Sarah, if I'm going to fulfill this promise that God's gave. No, God made him to be. God made him to be a father of many nations. By his own word, he made him to be. And notice this. I, I skipped over it in verse 16. Not to that which is of the law only, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So it's not just to those that are Jews, but to the whole family. There is no difference of the promise and the inheritance between the Jew and the Gentile. But the Jew that is saved, and it's important to note, we're not throwing out all of the Jews. Paul was a Jew. He was a descendant of Abraham in the flesh. But Paul needed to be saved. Paul was saved. And the inheritance that Paul received as a child of Abraham is no different than the inheritance that Luke, the beloved physician, who was more than likely a Gentile, or that Mark, who was more than likely a Gentile, 
is no difference from the inheritance that they received. The flesh plays no part in any of it. But when God saves somebody that's never went to church their whole life, and God saves somebody that's been in church for 50 years and never missed a service but two or three, they receive the same thing. Because it's not based on the flesh. The salvation is by faith. And it's the work of God and Jesus Christ. I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So who is this God then that Abraham's going to believe? If we're going to come to God, as he says in Hebrews 11, we must believe that He is. Because if God's not trustworthy, then why would I believe in Him? Who is this God? Well, He don't go into great detail here. But He says enough, this is a God that raises the dead. This is a God that has the power. And you know, you think about what man can do today. Man has got great ability. Man can open man up, take all of his guts out, remove cancer, put all of his guts back in him, and sew him up, and him live. Man is able to go into the head and remove something off the brain and close him back up. That's amazing power. You know something man's never been able to do? To take a man that's dead as a hammer and cold as a wedge and reanimate that. That's never been done by man. That is out of man's power. That is, I tell you what it is, it's impossible. When the heart stops in the hospital room, you've got two minutes. Is it two minutes? To restart that heart. And if it's not started in time, Hope's gone, the death certificate's signed, and it's off to the morgue with them. Man has no power over death. This is a God that reanimates those that are dead. This is a God that quickeneth. And not just people that have just died and we shock their hearts back, but a man named Lazarus that was four days dead in the grave and by now he stinketh Lord, he has began to decompose. His body is rottening and decaying. Be not afraid. Only believe. A God that's able to raise the dead and not just a body that's been dead four days, but Son of Man, what do you see? I see a valley filled with bones and they're dry. Yea, very dry. Son of man, can these live? Thou knowest, Lord. Prophesy to them. Speak the word of God unto these bones. And Ezekiel, he didn't doubt. He didn't say this is a waste of my time. But he began to prophesy and the bones began to move and come together. And flesh began to grow on them. And they became bodies again. An amazing work there. But then God said prophesy to the wind. 
and the wind blew and God raised them up an exceeding great army. This is the God that Abraham believed. And, you know, we could bring it right on down. I, I, believe, I believe all of that happened. We have a record of those things that happened. But we have a great cloud of witnesses today of people that were, as Ephesians chapter 2, dead in trespasses and sins that God has got up made new creatures, and I, I know what you're saying, Heather, they know what we used to be, but what a testimony that God's took people that used to be dead in sins and He's reanimated them and given them life in the Spirit. What a testimony of the very power of God to bring life out of deadness. So Abraham's going to believe a God that can raise the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. I may say, Lord willing, I'll be there tomorrow. Lord willing, I'll be at work in the morning. There are ten million things. Really, there's an infinite number of things that could prevent me from being there at seven o'clock in the morning. And we could go through a list. I don't know that it's of any value. Anything from a train wrecked across the tracks, I get in a wreck, I get hung up in traffic of a wreck, there's a million things that could stop me from accomplishing what I've said I'm going to do. But God's not like me. God don't say, Lord willing, or if this happens, I'll do that. But God calls those things which are not as though they were. God told Abraham, you are going to be a father of many nations. Through you, all of the world is going to be blessed. Now did that look likely? Not at all. But in Acts, so this is the God, remember, that Abraham is going to believe. Acts chapter 15 verse 18 Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. God knows what He's going to do and He's known what He's going to do today since the foundation of the world. Well, God's reacting in comparison to how man is acting. Not at all. Not at all. This was laid out from the foundation of the world and known unto God are all His works. Habakkuk, this is some of my favorite, favorite scripture in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So God's vision that He's given Habakkuk and any vision or any announcement that God's ever made, when God says and when God promises, 
He says it as though it's already happened and it's as sure as something that's already happened. God's there's nothing that's going or that is able to prevent God from doing what He said. Well, the devil's awful strong. He's done defeated the devil. And the devil is bound on a chain at the will of God. And the devil can be released only when God allows him to be released. And at the end, he's going to take him and cast him into hell. The devil's got no power over this God. But when this God comes on the scene, the devils ask for permission and they ask for mercy at His feet. And Jesus didn't come to legion scared and wondering where the devil was going to attack Him or not. There's nothing to prevent God from accomplishing His will. Pharaoh... Pharaoh looked like an obstacle. Pharaoh may have thought, this is, I will never let this happen. But you know what Pharaoh was? That was planned by God. And God told Moses before he ever went down, he's not going to believe, but I'm going to get glory on him. This is the plan of God. We'll see more of that as we get on into Romans. So, uh, in, in Hebrews 11 again. Hebrews 11 verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. So Abraham died, and Abraham seen Isaac, but he didn't see the promise of the Lord Jesus. Isaac died, and he didn't see the promise. Jacob died, and he didn't see the promise. But did, was not, now we've, we've got years of evidence, was not all of God's promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, has it not all been fulfilled? Did God not, as the Lord said, dot every I and cross every T and accomplish the work that God said He was going to accomplish? All of the promise of God <clears throat> has been fulfilled. They died in faith, not having received it, but having seen them afar off. How did they see these? God revealed it through His Word. They saw that this was coming and they believed that Word of God and were persuaded, convinced of them and embraced them enfold in the arms and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Confessed is to agree with. They saw this promise and they embraced it, not physically speaking, but by the Word of God and by the grace of God, they were able to see them and they embraced them down in the depths of their heart. Though they had never come to pass, they died convinced that God was going to do it. Just as Joseph died down in Egypt and he said, Boys, when youns come out of this place, you bring my bones out with you. Don't leave me down here in Egypt, but you take me home when you go home. Joseph knew they were going back. 
And he died in confidence knowing God would bring his people out of Egypt. And God did. And they carried Joseph's bones out of there. That's the God that Abraham believes. So the truth is now, you'd be foolish not to believe a God that's got this track record and this power. It would be foolish, the fool saith in his heart, that there is no God. You'd be foolish to believe in the mind of a God that resurrected the third day and yet have no faith in what He says to you. That would be very foolish. But now I want you to see, we don't have a lot of time left to get really into it, but you want to see what faith does for somebody. We're about to have an example of what faith, not belief in the mind, but that that God delivered Abraham by His grace. You're about to see what faith did for this man's life. Faith is not something that's up here or in here and you can't see it. Faith is that delivered by God that manifests itself in every facet of the life. It does Abraham. Abraham believed, and in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So against hope, against is in the vicinity of, especially opposed to. And hope is to anticipate expectation or a confidence. So you know what was against Abraham? Hope was opposed to Abraham. He was in a place that he was without hope of seeing this promise brought to pass. As you look on the outward circumstance, this looked impossible. We're going to get ahead of ourselves a little, but we'll pick it back up next week as well. Because he's a hundred years old, and his body's dead, and unable to produce. He's married to a wife that's ninety, and she has her whole life been unable to produce. Even when she was in her twenties and thirties, she was barren and unable to have children. Now she's ninety, beyond the childbearing age, and when those that are fruitful, they're barren at ninety. She's unable to have children. What place is there for Abraham to look and say, well, there is some hope here? No, hope was against Abraham. As Abraham looked outwardly, this was an impossible situation. This was something that could not be accomplished. This was something... There was no chance of it happening. But God said it was going to. So what's Abraham going to look at? The outward? And is he going to wring his hands and worry and say, I just don't know how this is going to be. I don't know how this is going to come to pass. I don't believe that it's able. No. But against hope, Abraham believed in hope. 
He had a confidence and an expectation no matter what the outward circumstance was, God was going to fulfill and accomplish what He had promised. Abraham didn't wring his hands in fear, in dread, or in worry, but against hope, he believed in hope. Well, there's a lot of discouraging things. There was for Abraham as well. But you know, faith delivered by God, it overcome the discouraging. And Abraham could hold to God's Word and to God's promise and it overrule all of the discouragement that was around him in the flesh. Who against hope believed in hope. So in Ruth chapter 1, very familiar scripture. Ruth chapter 1, Ruth... Elimelech and their two sons, they went down to Moab. Elimelech died. The two sons died. You're left with Naomi and two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. This is what Naomi says to them after all of the men are dead. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. So Naomi says, look, I'm too old to be married again and I'm too old to have children that you girls can marry. And if there was hope and I did get married tonight and I got pregnant and had children, would you wait till they were grown to get married to them? No, girls, there's no hope for you. You might as well turn and go back and don't go with me any farther. And Orpah, she did what the natural mind would say. She kissed her and she went back. But Ruth, Ruth against any hope of any good said, I'm going with you and I'm going to die where you die and I'm going to be buried where you're buried. Now what would cause Ruth to do something so naturally and logically foolish. She believed God. And no matter what the discouragement, and we know how it worked out for Ruth, Ruth went back with Naomi and she married a Boaz and they had a son and that son had a son and then there was David the king. So, here, when there's no hope, Ruth believes. In Mark, we already talked about the bones, the valley of dry bones, and as God shows Ezekiel and says, can these live? Any logical hope there? When you look outwardly, is there any chance that they can live? No. In Mark chapter 5, 
Verse 35, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Now he's come to get Jesus to heal his daughter who he knew was sick and dying. Well now here comes a man and says, Look, she's, she's dead. She's gone. No need to bother him any further. And Jesus says, Be not afraid. Only believe. So outwardly, she can't be healed anymore. She's dead. She needs resurrected. And the outward man says, you might as well forget about it. It's beyond help now. But this God, this God quickeneth even the dead. Why, preacher, my people, they're dead. They're deceived. They're hardened. And they're blinded. Any of them harder than a valley of dry bones. Any of them harder than a daughter that's dead or a brother that's been in the grave four days. Our God is able. Is there anything too hard for God? One, one more place and, and we'll stop. In Acts 27, very familiar. Paul told them not to sail. They didn't listen to Paul. They sailed. They come up in a great storm. And in, they had been without sun, stars. They were in a place where there was no hope. When all hope of being saved was gone. In verse 20, this is Acts chapter 27, verse 20, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. So here's a ship full of people and they've come to the place that they're saying, we are not going to make it through this storm. We've done everything we can do. I don't even know if they knew how many days it had been. Because the sun and stars hadn't appeared. They didn't know where they were. There, was no, there wasn't a time that the tempest, the storm, was small. And all hope was gone. But Paul says in verse 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. God said everybody's going to live. You stay with a ship and everybody on board is going to live. Was there anything that Paul could see that gave him any hope to that end? All Paul had to go on was what God told him. That's all Abraham had to go on. And that's what God would desire for us to hold to, not what we see, but what God says. Because what God says is as certain and as sure as what you see right now. That's as far as we'll go. We'll pick up right there next time. Anything on your heart you'd like to say, you'd like to add?